Hello there. It's football funny time again. I'm Jim. This is On The Left Side, the alternative football show. Have you subscribed yet? Well, do it. That way you get next week's episode fast and free as soon as it's out. And you can do it via iTunes or however you listen to this podcast. It has been another mahusive week in football. There were amazing scenes in the Spanish third division after Barcelona B whipped El Dense 12-0, prompting the relegation certainties to announce that they were refusing to play any more games this season. It's the professional version of picking up your ball and going home because the big kids won't let you win. (laughs) It's also a result that will no doubt be making West Ham fans feel a little bit better about their season at the moment. A season in which the arse has well and truly fallen out of and hit the floor in recent weeks. And it's prompted some furious reactions, the best of which was found on West Ham Fan TV, where one fan demonstrated it's not just Arsenal fans who can have truly epic meltdowns on YouTube with this almost poetic amount of swearing. And you know what, that deserves Brady and everyone in that ballroom fight. The fact, we're the ones that are going to suffer here, do you know what I mean? Not them they're still going to get the money and souls that are With all those beeps, I'm not sure whether it's an interview or the new David Guetta song. The full interview contains an impressive 75 swear words in the space of just three minutes. If only players showed that kind of commitment to the cause, then West Ham would not be in the relegation fight they currently find themselves in. So, what is coming up on this week's show? Jose Mourinho gets into his players' heads... We find out which football ground is best. And the Oscar goes to... Gail Clichy's getting on the decks. But first, a bit of slap and tickle. (laughs) With relegation looking almost certain for the Black Cats, it was getting hard to imagine how their season could get any worse right now. So up step David Moyes. The ex-United boss found himself in the middle of a sexism storm this week after comments he made to a female BBC reporter made their way into the public domain. It was after Sunderland's draw with Burnley when Moisey came over all Begbie from train spotting after taking exception to the line of post-match questioning that was being put to him. And the owner, Ellis Short, was here today. Does it put any extra pressure on you as a manager when you know the owner's in the stands watching on? No, none at all. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Nice to see you. You're just getting a wee bit naughty at the end there, so just watch yourself or you might get a slap even though you're a woman. <laughs> Careful the next time you come in. It's the first bit of attacking intent that I think I've seen from David Moyes this season. Sunderland aren't doing so well when it comes to managerial appointments in recent years. They've had Paolo Di Canio, a known fascist, in the job. Sam Allardyce, a man with more questionable dealings than a one-armed poker player. And now David Moyes, who's threatening women with violence. It sounds very much to me like they're preparing the fans for the appointment of Donald Trump next season. Grab him by the pussy. Everyone knows this kind of thing is totally unacceptable and it's yet another sign of the sexist locker room attitude that currently exists in football. The saving grace for Moyes is the fact that although he has been a monumental idiot, as far as threats go, it's the least threatening thing since, well, Sunderland when Jermaine Defoe got injured. The very predictable outcome was that, predictably, everyone got very predictably offended and predictably took to social media to predictably declare their varying levels of predictable outrage. Everyone that is, except for the bastion of left-wing, open-minded thinking that is Jim Davidson, who tweeted, Sick to death of PC. 
David Moyes condemned for what was friendly banter. Best not to speak to women anymore in case you say sexist things. Yeah, I mean, that or alternatively, you could just stop saying sexist things. In the end, Moyes did what we all knew he'd have to do. He apologised. And he apologised with the cool professionalism of any man who has ever apologised to his partner without really knowing why he's apologising in the first place. But that doing so will probably mean he's going to have an easier life. The club have known about it for two weeks. I told Ellis about it two weeks ago. I deeply regret the comments I made. And uh, I accept it was a mistake. And uh, hopefully we all move on. So... Sometimes these things happen. I like it. It's kind of an anti-apology. I don't know why I'm apologising, but I've been told I have to, so sorry. There you go. Happy now. Almost as hollow as Sunderland's chances of staying up this season. My favourite part of the whole affair has come courtesy of Leicester City fans, though, who, after watching their team put two past the North East outfit last week, berated our David with cries of... Nicely done. It's all become a bit of a joke, albeit a rather dated, chauvinistic and misjudged joke, but a joke nonetheless. But in my opinion, if David Moyes really wants to be a comedian, he should just keep on putting out that same Sunderland team that he has all season. (laughs) Forget the accounts of intricate contract negotiations at Arsenal. Don't even consider those reports of managerial unrest at West Ham. And spare not a thought for the in-depth analysis as to why Manchester United consistently fail at home to lesser opposition. Because the finest piece of football journalism I've seen in recent weeks comes courtesy of joe.co.uk. Web writer Simon Lloyd, who works for the self-titled Voice of British Men, has had the genius idea of checking out Google's reviews for football stadiums up and down the country. And the results are marvellous. I'm not entirely sure who exactly checks the likes of Google reviews and TripAdvisor before deciding if they're going to take a trip to the Riverside to check out their team, but those people must exist. Otherwise, the reviews wouldn't exist. Do conversations like this really happen up and down the country? I feel passionately about my football team and want to express my feelings and show my support both at home and on the away terraces. But on the other hand, the the hand dryers at Middlesbrough just aren't as strong as I would like, so I don't know, maybe I'll give the game a miss. I really hope not. But when it comes to reviews, there are some absolute belters in there. And here are some of my favourites. Starting with Chuseptis underscore plays, who had this to say about Bournemouth's Vitality Stadium. Well, the food and the amount of rubbish on the hallways is terrible. Please get high-class cleaners. One star. I 100% agree. If you can't keep a clean concourse, how can you even consider keeping a clean sheet? Eddie Howe needs to sort that shit out. Sean Dyche, on the other hand, has no such issues. He needn't worry about keeping the Burnley board happy after John and Kath Dunn left this glowing review after their trip to Turf Moor. My wife and I were guests at joint 18th and 60th birthdays. There was approximately 200 guests and the catering was first class. Potato pie, cheese and onion pie and sausage and bacon sandwich. Eee, they were all top draw. 
Better than some restaurants I've eaten in. Five stars. I'm not entirely sure which restaurants John and Kath frequent, but if the menu consists mostly of meat and spud pies and sausage balms, then I'm not 100% sure I trust their judgement. Great to hear they had a lovely time, though. A lovely time that was matched only by Tommy Haggerty, who left his glowing, if not completely indecipherable, review of Stamford Bridge alongside a hefty star rating. Repeck the Chelsky mob a lot. Always up for a scrap. Got a few bruises from here in recent years. Highlight is when me, Pete and the couple of lines of Sherbert got us into proper trouble. We were off our heads with one too many bevies and we took on rent boys and I walk up in whips again. Ha ha ha. Top mob would fight again. Five stars. I've no idea what he's saying, but he certainly seems very positive. And I'm sure he must be the politest and most helpful football hooligan in the UK. Maybe I should leave him a review on Google. You can check out other highlights at joe.co.uk and do not forget to check out Google reviews before you embark on that tricky away trip to the Etihad next week. Donuts were a piece of crap of your grandmother. I've never been a big fan of the post-match interview in football. They're usually pretty dull. Players rolling out the same old cliches of it being a game of two halves and boys doing good. Eventually, they just all become one pointless, monotonous loop. Like a game show contestant being asked what they're going to spend their winnings on. I just don't care. And so, thank the Lord for Mr Jose Mourinho. Sure, the special one may not be so special anymore when it comes to picking teams or buying players or boring things like tactics nowadays, but when it comes to post-match interviews, this fella is box office. The United manager may be currently guiding his steers through the very worst undefeated run in footballing history, managing to create more draws than a carpenter working off a large gambling debt, but he's still topping the highlight reels when it comes to insane interviews. Sometimes joking, sometimes miserable, and like after the West Brom game, sometimes just weirdly threatening. We saw you smiling with Tony Pulis at the end. Did you cancel each other out today? I don't know what you mean. What do you mean by that? Two teams very evenly balanced today. Do you think so? I'm asking you. Do you think so, really? Do you think that's a question? That clip reminds me of Joe Pesci from Goodfellas somehow. Hey, you think? You think that's a question? You think so? Like I'm a clown? I'm here to amuse you with my question? But it was Luke Shaw that was the focus of Jose's randomly selected attacks this week as he added the former Southampton fullback to a long list of sworn enemies alongside, in no particular order, Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku, Arsene Wenger, Ike Casillas, Pepe, Rafa Benitez, Sergio Ramos, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Didier Drogba, Mario Balotelli, Pep Guardiola, that club physio from a couple of years back and pretty much every referee on the planet. So he's in pretty good company. It all started last week when Jose claimed that the young defender was miles behind his teammates in training, an accusation which former United boy Phil Neville had his very own views on. 
I think I'd be embarrassed as a player if those accusations were levelled at me. To play football for Manchester United, you need to train at 110%. Firstly, surely when Phil Neville is feeling embarrassed for you, you know you're in real trouble. And secondly, if I was Luke Shaw, I wouldn't have a clue what was going on. He's gone from being miles behind to needing to train at 110%, which, by the way, is mathematically and physically impossible, in just a couple of days. Clearly, Luke is so confused by all the behinds, aheads and percentages buzzing around his head that he's completely forgotten how to play football. Because during a very rare and brief cameo appearance in Manchester United's game versus Everton this week, Mourinho had to take some Paul McKenna-esque mind control action. He had a good performance, but was his body with my brain. I was thinking for him. I was making every decision for him. Hang on. Does Jose think he's playing a game of Pro Evo rather than managing a top-level football team? That could explain the amount of chances that Zlatan Ibrahimovic has missed this season. It's all down to the fact that he's not sure of its circle or square for shoot. Or maybe that Pep Guardiola gave him the dodgy controller that he bought down the market for a couple of quid. Ibrahimovic goes for goal! Oh, and they really should have been made to pay. It's a new tactic for Jose. We are used to seeing him absolving himself from any kind of blame when things go wrong on the pitch, but he's actually found a way here to prevent his players getting any praise either when things go right. It's peak Jose. The big question is, if Luke Shaw is using Jose's brain, then it must be Mr Bean that's lent his brain to Phil Jones. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> And finally, good news Manchester City fans, your moderately uninspiring form is over. Someone at the Etihad has finally worked out how to get that little bit extra from the Blues' underperforming stars. And that someone is defender Gail Clichy. The French fullback says he knows the difference between winning and losing in Manchester. And that difference is... Music. Clichy has apparently become the pre-match DJ in the Etihad dressing room and he told Kicker Media in France Last week I read an article which said music can improve by 10% the performance of any player. I would say it's a bit of pressure. 10%? That sounds like quite a lot. Someone should have told Lance Armstrong that before he took all them drugs. Maybe a bit of the verve could have been Andy before one of those Tour de France's. Now the drugs don't work. So, what tunes does Gale get down to pre-match that are going to win the Premier League for City next season? I'm always trying to mix it with a little bit of uh, Latino music, a little bit of African music, then a bit of dancehall for Raheem Sterling. Then I can finish with a bit of hip-hop and perhaps some house depending on the mood. Right, remind me not to book Gale as a DJ anytime soon. He sounds like that hipster mate of yours who takes over the stereo at every given house party. Oh, you won't have heard of these, but they're a Bolivian nosepipe band that are somewhat under the radar. I think you're going to love them. If eclectic is the aim of Clichy's game, then maybe he needs to turn his attention to one of his footballing colleagues. Ronaldinho. Remember him? He's the ex-Barcelona and Brazil forward who was much more interested in partying, boozing and women than actually playing any football. Well, he has moved into the world of music. The Sam Boy marked his 37th birthday by releasing his first ever solo single, written by the man himself. And it is everything that you would imagine. Sozinho. 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 Sozin
agora sozinho Não me sinto mais fraco To be fair, he's got a decent set of pipes on him But sozinho It sounds like the kind of apology that David Moyes really wanted to deliver after his slap statement Yeah, I threatened a woman with violence, but, you know, whatever Sozinho Maybe it should be on that Man City pre-match playlist to motivate the players The motivation being, look Buck your ideas up or you're going to waste your career and end up making god-awful songs like this when you retire. Right, that's it for another week of Football Funny. If you like the show, I have a favour to ask. Give us a follow on Twitter, at On The Left Side. And what's more, bob a little tweet out recommending us to your followers. Help spread the love and help keep this podcast free. Right, I'm off to give David Moyes a slap because that's full time. On the Left Side is a production by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson for Abrupt Audio. My wife and I were guests at a joint 18th and 60th birthdays. Same person. <laughs> it was after Sunderland's draw with Burnley when Moisey came all out. It was after not. It was after. It, it was after Sunderland's t- it was after Sunderland's draw with Burnley when Moisey came all over. It came after Sunderland's draw with Burnley when Moisey came over all Begbie after taking exception to a. Li-